This crap was on national television. Chris, I don't remember who picked this. Was this your fault? Or yeah, fault? yeah you, you can blame me. This was my pick. <laughs> this was way worse than I remember. And we're looking at the pilot of that 80s show. And I could not watch another episode of this. Yeah, I was surprised it actually had half a season. I think it was like a mid-season replacement. Came on yeah. in January of like, what, 2002, I think. Yes, January 2002. And... On paper, this is a brilliant idea. Uh, that 70s show was a hit. Uh, nostalgia always works. Or not always works, but it always gets people talking. And the 80s is that interesting decade that the fashion was loud. Uh, everything was bombastic. and Hair was big, yeah. Yes. And a lot of people look at this that era fondly. However... Here, here's the thing that I thought found really interesting. So it's the same creators of that 70s show. That show worked because they weren't trying to jam 70s nostalgia down your throat. It was really at its core about six people who were friends. Yeah, it was, it was a show. It was an ensemble show that just happened to be set in the 70s rather than a show about the 70s where they just tried to wedge in, you know, storylines. Right. And you're in trouble. I can't remember how the first episode of that 70s show, I should have watched that to see if they did the same thing that they did here. But right away, so let's get right to it. The first scene, uh, we see people dancing. Not very well, and not necessarily in an 80s way, but it says the Berlin Club, uh, San Diego, 1984. Uh, and the first two people we see are just background characters, but they're caricatures. One guy in a flock of seagulls haircut and another person sort of dressed like Boy George. Yeah. In, in the uh, do you really want to hurt me days. Yeah. Already we're off to a shit start. Yeah. Because, uh, again, they look they don't look like they're in the 80s. They look like they're character caricatures of what people remember or think that the 80s were because uh, when I read about what, how the creators were sort of thinking, they were looking at, well, here, here are lives now sort of like going into the next step. Meanwhile, I think these, that's not what any of these people were actually doing. I think the writers, in, in terms of that, they're just thinking of what other people did. I don't know if these people remember that decade at all. They lived through it. Right, right. <laughs> and when you were watching this, were you sort of thinking about, like, do you watch uh, The Goldbergs? I've seen a couple of episodes of the Goldbergs. And again, that's that's similar to that 70s show where it's like a family sitcom, not a saccharine family sitcom, but it's like the 80s are just the backdrop. It's not about mm -hmm. the eight, like a, basically what separates the Goldbergs in that 80s show is that 80s show is nothing but a gimmick. It's like, let's mm -hmm. just shove 80s or what we think is 80s nostalgia down the audience's throat rather than have like well-developed characters. Right, and it's just gimmick after gimmick. Uh, uh, so we, 
the first the our first regular character uh sophia played by Brittany daniel who did a lot uh i will always remember her as uh i forget the character's name i guess i don't remember her all that well but from uh joe dirt the love interest okay i've never seen joe dirt guilty pleasure okay <laughs> not necessarily a great film but it neither is night at the roxbury i love that one too uh and she's and i wrote down doing the pat benatar shimmy you know from oh uh, yeah, Battlefield, yeah and we're gonna get more of that later uh so she runs she runs into or the main character Corey howard uh played by glenn howerton who did very has done very well for himself in always sunny in philadelphia yeah he's a testament to don't give up your dream because i mean if he would have quit acting after this I mean, he never would have been on the, one of the longest running sitcoms in history. I think it probably is the longest Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Could be. It very well could be. Uh, yeah, it's been like 20 years because I think it's still on FX, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, it's, just, it's, it's a good show. And so we learn right away, these two used to date and they're dancing with other people. And we've got more cliches here going on. Because uh, she's dance as she's dancing to some random guy, uh, so he says, "Well, you're probably some suit. You're a stockbroker." And we don't really know because they just they met in the bathroom. Ah, see, the '80s also was all about money. Yeah. Uh, Wall and, Street. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even though they're set in San Diego, I don't know what the uh, the yuppie uh, population in San Diego was in the '80s. I guess according to this show, it's quite high. Yeah, I just thought San Diego, San Diego was such an odd choice. I mean, what really made that 70s show stand out um, was, was it being set in um, Wisconsin? Is it, I forget if it's yeah. Madison. Yeah, Wisconsin. yeah, so it was like, sort of like just the all-American Midwestern mm -hmm. memory of the 70s. It's like, what is distinctive about San Diego? I mean, mm -hmm. it's south of Los Angeles. That's the only thing I know of it. Yeah, it's in San Diego, and they, they try to, to at least incorporate some non-white characters, though none were Hispanic. Maybe you'd have some in San Diego. I, what do I know? Nothing, apparently. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that other character later, which, yeah. oh man, I, well, anyway, uh, let's see, uh, the, it's clear at this point that he's still in, in puppy love uh, with that. And he says, I hate dancing. So I guess he's trying to be this counterculture rebel in his own way. But they're, they're hitting us over the head. We're supposed to find this out on our own, not just with everything he's doing right away. There's no right. chemistry between this couple. No wonder they broke up. Uh, and then we, and uh, what did I write? 90 seconds in, I don't want to hear, the, hear anything from the 80s for at least a week. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much done with that. And random guy asks his buddy if the nose is if his nose is bleeding, and uh, he's told he's good. Get it? Cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so we're two minutes in, and we're already hit with cliche after cliche after cliche after cliche. Uh, one thing I did like, uh, they're, as they're sort of uh, going into the next uh, scene, they're, they're flipping vinyls. I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, so with the next day at home, uh, Corey walks into the kitchen, tells his parents that he broke up with Sophia. Although it wasn't his parents, it was his, uh, I thought that it was, was his dad and sister. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was like, wow, his dad has a young, hot wife. And 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, come to find out it's, it's the main character's sister. Yeah, uh, we never did see the mother. I didn't actually do much. In, I don't think the mother was ever shown in this entire series. No, I don't I don't know if she if she's dead, if, if it's, you know, a divorce and the mom went off like the mom in that seventh, the next door neighbors, Tanya Roberts, the Tanya Roberts, Roberts character oh, yeah. that abandoned the family. Yeah, uh, well, he did say that uh, the dad said, well, yes, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to announce that, that your mom and I have separated. And they said, well, that okay. was two, yeah, that was well, dad, that was two years ago. Yeah, but I like saying it. <laughs> uh, the dad played by Jeff Pearson, who's always playing some curmudgeon in some in some fashion. Uh, he, he was uh, pretty much in that uh, married with children knockoff uh, unhappily ever after. OK. The one that had the rabbit voiced by Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's pretty much, well, he's always sort of played some variation of that or a, a dirty cop. But, you know, he was always working for a long time. So good on him. Uh, this one, he's, uh, well, he's kind of dressed a bit like uh, Miami Vice. So another cliche. And they yeah. reference that later, but whatever. Uh, so so uh, the sister, Katie, I can't even remember the actress's name because she didn't do anything else. Tinsley something, or it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Uh, she's making candles. And Katie says, well, you know, Sophia was never right for you because, <laughs> well, Sophia's a lesbian. His response is, well, no, she's bisexual. Okay, let's just get into this whole thing right now. Mm-hmm. Where do we start? It took a long time for TV, or really society for that matter, to figure out what to do with LGBT characters. Yeah. And this was an era where I think they were trying to titillate us by having the hot lesbian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The problem here is like when other shows, even before this did that, with Friends, for example, when uh, Ross lost his wife to another woman, yeah, the, the character at least had depth. They all had right. depth to it. Uh, this was just, okay, we're, this is an excuse so that we could have two girls kiss. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's all this was. There's, there's nothing to it if... I, I'll have to send this to some of, my, some of my gay friends, see if they were offended by this. And of course, what you're alluding to is the ex-girlfriend yeah. turns out to have a crush on the main character's sister. And I, I wondered why they cast right. actresses who looked so much alike. I mean, like they're both blonde. Yeah. One's taller. The, the, the bisexual one is taller. But I mean, they look like they could be sisters. And I, I don't know if that was like supposed to be some kind of like subliminal thing with the main character, like... He chose a girl who looked like his sister, or what, I, what I think you're giving him too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they even noticed that's what they did. I, right, I, I, right. Yeah. Uh, the da- uh, so yeah, his uh, Corey's response is, "Well, you no, know, she's a bisexual, like a vegetarian who likes turkey every now and then." Uh huh. <laughs> Just anyway. Then the dad says, well, your sister's becoming a booming candle baron and you're making lady golfers. All right, well, fine. Uh, 
Roger shows up. We don't really know anything about him. Uh, played by Eddie Shin. I, I saw that he didn't really do much. Uh, I thought I'd never seen him at all. He did have a season in Agent Carter, one of my favorite Marvel spinoffs. Okay. So he, 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 yeah, he has been working, though, not much. Sporadically. This, yeah, this is my least favorite character. And nothing against this actor. He, what do you, what's he going to do with it? But I, I got the feeling that they were trying so hard to say, look, here we are in the 80s, and we're not going to have a character like Long Doc uh, Kim from 16 Candles. Long, Long Duck Dong from Long 16 Duck Dong, Candles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was confusing it with Dave Kim from the, from the, from the Goldbergs. I mixed them together. Oh, wow, I didn't know. Uh, so instead of one stereotype, we're going to give him a completely different one. He's a money-hungry Republican, an Alex P. Keaton knockoff with nothing yeah. to really yeah. get. It's, yeah, you, that's all you did. You made him a totally different stereotype. Right. It's like they were trying to take the template of that 70s show. So it's like the Fez character. But instead of giving him an right. accent, they're like, oh, we'll make him like quintessentially American. But they ended up making him like the quote-unquote model minority. So like you said, he's just he's just Alex P. Keaton if Alex P. Keaton was Asian. Yeah, or, or completely unlikable. Because Alex P. Yeah. Keaton was your model Republican, but of just of your traditional Republican values. He was still a good guy, devoted family. Uh, he had friends of all different races. Uh, I'm sure if they redid that now, you probably have a gay friend too. Probably. Maybe, yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. It's... Can be a game. Did you know Family Ties was set in my city, Columbus, Ohio? I did know that. Yeah, they there was there was a famous department store called Lazarus. I would like freak out when I would see like at least Keaton coming in with like a Lazarus bag. <laughs> nice. The only yeah. show that I know that's set in uh, Winnipeg was a show called Less Than Kind, and the theme song was "I Hate Winnipeg," <laughs> an actual song by a Canadian band called The Weaker Thans. Uh, yeah. But I'm actually so far. I'm happy to be here. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't. I they never really explain this. Roger and uh, Corey, they're going to work. Uh, I don't know what Roger does. I read in the on Wikipedia he's a used car salesman. Okay. Uh, so he doesn't have his own car. He has to ride with um, Corey. Yeah, no, that that's 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 a very good point. I didn't even think of that. I was actually I was too focused on the actual car where. I know things might have been smaller in the 80s cars, but what car is this small that they were going to be sitting that close together? But yeah, okay. some, some of the early, some of the early like um, Toyotas and Hondas were, were that small. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but didn't they have their own bucket seats? Probably. Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, like that's, I'm nitpicking, but that's what we do. Uh, he's listening to self-affirmation tapes. Uh, Corey doesn't want to hear that. Then they then they bring out, at least the music was good. Uh, Talking Heads, Once in a Lifetime. They're, they're dancing to it, having a bit of fun. Because well, at first you're wondering, how are these two buddies? But okay, well, you can have you can have friends with different interests. That's fine. I got no problem with that. I get problems with a lot of other things. Uh, so at the record store, oh, crap, what's this actress's name? Uh, Margaret Smith, the owner. Are you talking about the owner? Yeah. Okay. Mar yeah. Mar are you talking about the Are you talking about the girl with the mohawk? No. Uh. Not. Not the owner. Yeah. Margaret Smith, comedian. I don't remember her. Yeah. You know what? I vaguely remember her. She reminds me a lot of Roseanne. Like 
before Roseanne jumped, jumped the shark and became like a right wing um, crank. Um, she has that Before same dead hand. She could, she could, she could be Roseanne's younger sister. I mean, she looks and acts so much like her. But, yeah, um, but I thought the whole record store setting was was a ripoff of Pretty in Pink. How uh, Molly Ringwald's oh, character? Yes. Yeah. So I just there, there's another rip from the '80s yeah. setting, and also an ex, you know an excuse to show nostalgia like vinyl and cassettes. Let's, if we didn't know this show was set in the 80s, oh, here we have a physical record store, mm-hmm. which I guess still existed in the early 00s, but. I was just in the mall uh, when we got here yesterday, yesterday, and I was blown away that there's, I actually saw a record store in the mall. Didn't see anyone in it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so when I, when I actually saw a record store in there, but. No one's in it. I, I can't even imagine what they're. I, neither was I. I didn't bother to go in. Why would I buy an album now when I can? Was it? Was it a? I mean, were they selling vinyl? Because vinyls, I don't know about in Canada, but in the U.S., it's pretty. It's made a comeback. It has. It has too. I didn't go in, so I mean, maybe I will. Okay. We got to go back there today. But even then, I mean, yeah, it's. If I if I had space, maybe I'd go get a vinyl collection again, but. Why? Just I like, still have my vinyl collection, actually, from from high school. Oh yeah, in my in my garage, actually. But all right, since we're doing a whole show on nostalgia, I got to ask. Uh, we'll we'll do a segue here. What what's your prize co- prized uh, piece? Like, if you're going to show somebody that, that mm-hmm. definitely the sign of the times, the original issue of Prince's Sign of the Times double okay. out. Nice. Yeah. I think my first one, first vinyl I ever bought was Twisted Sister. Oh, wow. You know, I have their greatest hits <laughs> on CD, actually. Oh, oh both of them? No, oh, no, I didn't know songs. there was more than one. I think they only had two songs that were hits. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to take it. And what was the other one? I Want to Rock. Oh, rock yeah. Okay. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, well, good on them, I guess. They tried to bring black, bring back glam rock, but uh, so much for that. Yeah, worked for a year. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Margaret Smith, she, I, I, I can't believe I don't remember her because she did make it to like all the talk shows and I was watching mm-hmm. a lot of talk shows back to like the late night ones. Uh, she had a very good career uh, write, writing on the Ellen DeGeneres show for 10 years, like from up until 2017. So oh, interesting. Uh, I wonder if she was a victim or one of the uh, toxic abusers. Good question. Yeah, so who's to say? Uh, here's my here's another unofficial prediction. The same thing is going to happen to James Corden. Watch for it. You think so? I do. I do. Uh, I I think uh, there's far too many stories that don't get play where he's just an undercover a hole. Wow, and he I mean he is his public image like Ellen is just the opposite. Well, yeah, I, I have well, I mean. When you when you act that nice, probably you're not. The only exception to that rule, I think, is Tom Hanks. Okay. Who's probably as great a guy as everyone says. I totally believe that one. Who went to college in Cleveland? I always have to tie everything oh. back to Ohio. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Uh, other interesting thing. Uh, his wife was still with his wife of like 40 years. Rita Wilson also seems like a wonderful person. Uh, yeah. 
and she uh, yeah i think on her instagram a couple of years ago what, 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 what song was she just hitting out of the park rapping i don't know but it was oh god i can't imagine Brita wilson rapping I, I i gotta look it up after i'll find it i'll send it and it was actually pretty damn good wow not that i should be the judge of that but <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so all right so, so back here at the record store so we learned right away that Margaret is, uh, I, I thought she was a burned out hippie. Turns out she was more of a burned out uh, former groupie. Uh, person comes, so some, uh, someone comes in there, says, who looks like Madonna, asking for, where's the Lionel Richie section? She says, it's upper ass and tells the person to get out. Not a great manager or owner of this place. Uh, I yeah, that's, what, that's, why, that's why I drew the Roseanne comparison, the like acerbic, you know, yeah. deadpan delivery and the not caring and the, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Corey shows up to, to work and asks to play Black Flag. And Margaret says, I don't even remember the character's name. Uh, I'll just, we're just going to call her Margaret. Margaret uh, says, from that... from that the character's name actually is Margaret. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it makes it easy to remember your character then. Uh, just like when Woody Harrelson got cast as Woody. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Let's see if I still have this up here. I, when I was looking up Margaret Smith, because I didn't know much about her, uh, she won an award for the funniest female stand-up comedian at the 1995 American Comedy Awards. So I don't remember the American Comedy Awards. So I looked I up. I vaguely remember them. Yeah. Well, you were you were in still in Canada at that point, right? Well, we did have working television. I was, you know, <laughs> and occasionally I just used the rabbit ears out of the igloo. I just I wouldn't I wouldn't think that that would. I mean, that show wasn't huge in America, so I just didn't think that'd be a crossover show that would... Yeah, but we had all the networks. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so like, if, yeah, because if you lived uh, close to, to any, any kind of border, like like I did with Buffalo, uh, yeah, with ABC, NBC, CBS, I had that all my life. Oh, okay. See, so, I'm so American. We don't we don't get crossover TV. Like, if you live in Buffalo, do you get Canadian stations, I wonder? I have to ask, because uh, my, my uh, partner for another show I do, and there's a blatant blatant plug uh classic sports review uh my buddy glenn Pulowski just got back from antarctica oh wow yeah for, doing that for a year uh i told him he told him after he sort of like uh comes back from uh from that he should he should uh vacation just uh in, in barbados with me now that i'm in winnipeg he's not going to take me up on that <laughs> so anyway i looked up the 19 so it was the 1987 uh awards because that's when that started and I was sort of blown away by one category in particular. It was uh, the funniest male performer. Or the funniest male performer of the year. One by Robin Williams. Okay, which makes okay. sense, right? Uh, yeah. The other, the people he beat out, again, three of these make sense. Johnny Carson, mm -hmm. Steve Martin, George Carlin. I can give you a hundred guesses and you will never come up with the other person. So. Uh, Jay Leno. No, no, I, I, you, you'll never guess it. So I'm just going to tell you. Okay. Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> and I, I don't think of him, I think of him as a comedic actor. I don't see him as like doing stand up. Well, he didn't, but I mean, I guess for this, for this, they just said male performer, so they didn't say. Oh, okay. okay. But still, I mean, like, 
you're putting four legends with Falky? Yeah. Okay. I, I, that's another part of that 80s. I totally forgot. Uh, that that's a show I never saw. I think it was part of that TGIF Friday night ABC lineup at one point, And I just, I, mm -hmm. I never could sit through an entire episode. Well, because it wasn't funny. Yeah. It, and Balky was annoying. And if that was my cousin, I'd knock him out. Yeah, I don't know if that, if that show was inspired by his character from um, Beverly Hills Cop. If he was someone's, okay. I, I read, or not read, uh, I saw him do an interview year, like, God, then, because he didn't want to do that character again for Beverly Hills Cop too. So, okay. he, so he said, uh, or so he told his agent, okay, I want a million dollars, thinking they'd never give it to him. And they did. Wow. So... Hey, I mean, like, made a lot more money than I did playing a goofball, so <laughs> good on him, I suppose. I, I just forgot how big that character was. That just yeah. blew me away. All right, anyway, uh, so Corey asked to play Black Flag, because when Margaret says, oh, well, I guess you're in a really bad mood. Black Flag, Black Flag is actually more of when you're angry, not necessarily when you're melancholy about, you know? But okay. anyway, uh, so he again recaps everything. Uh, girlfriend left her for a woman. His music career sucks. And Margaret says at 17, she was living with Jim Morrison. Okay. And he was, yeah, I don't, and I wrote down, I don't think Jim Morrison was ever that stone. <laughs> I don't see that. Tuesday comes in, played by, uh, I never know how to pronounce her name, Ch Tyler, Kyler, Kyler Lee. Okay, yeah. It looks uh, like Chrysler with the R and S missing. Yeah, uh, but I never would have known this is the same woman from Grey's Anatomy who played Lexi Gray. I, yeah, I, I've never, never seen Grey's Anatomy. Eh, I don't know, you missed that much either. I, I'll say the same thing I think I said to, to everyone. I might've said this to you. Grey's Anatomy, the doctors are never this good looking every time I've been in a hospital. <laughs> anyway. Uh, they're making fun of each other's hair, Corey and uh, Corey and Kyler, because she's got the the Liberty spikes going on. And here's the thing with that: the people who dress punk usually went all out. We're, she had she didn't have the shaved sides or anything like that. So, like this was, I don't know if kids if the kids today still use the, this term. It's very poserish. Yeah. So that's kind of, and they kind of alluded to that later. Uh, and we learned that uh, she now works there at the record store too. And we'll be. Uh, Kate, we go back to uh, the house, and Katie's watching Love as a Battlefield, and she's doing the shimmy. We're, we're, we're 15 minutes in, and we're already regurgitating the same shtick. Yeah. Sophia shows up returning cassettes, and uh, this is where we get our, we learn that Sophia's got a crush on Katie, and she kisses him, kisses her, and then the crowd goes, ooh, okay, uh, just for that moment, I'm sure that when the writers were thinking, you know, this, this is it, we're, we're, we're on to something, we're on to something, this, people are going to keep coming back for it. No, they won't. 
No, they won't because nobody bought it. Nobody believes it. Nobody believes in any of these characters and nobody cares. It's why this doesn't work. Uh, I wrote down that this is where they're using sort of like a, this is like LGBT cosplay is what I wrote. Yeah. Because that's what having a, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's like the, the, the porn thing of like, oh, two hot girls rather than someone who's truly exploring their sexuality or sexual right. orientation. Right. And sitcoms aren't, don't have to be deep, but they don't have to be this shallow either. Right. Yeah. And this is, I want to say this was probably pre L word and pre queer as folk um, post Ellen because Ellen came out in 97. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm to think. When, when did Queer as Folk start? I don't remember. I want to say the mid-aughts, like 03, maybe, 04. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you probably wrote an L word. I, did, I did, you, did you have the British version in Canada? I knew there was a British version. Uh, okay. But I, I, so that would have predated that first, right? Or I believe that? so, yeah. Okay. So... It, it, this, yeah, again, it's just sort of like what I think a bunch of uh, straight white people in their 20s, I guess that's probably what I would have thought. I probably would have wrote something like that and I would have been way off at that point right, in right. my life. But I'm not a sophisticated Hollywood producer like these people are. Cause yeah, because this is the same company that gave us, actually Roseanne, I believe. Yeah, and, and that 70s show. Right. So, I mean, it's not like, actually, Roseanne, when, when you think about it, that show actually explored a lot of uh, of uh, gay things very well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I heard a podcast interview with Sandra Bernhard recently, mm. and it's sort of, Sandra Bernhard made it sound like it wasn't like either she or Roseanne set out to, like, you know, break sitcom ground. It was sort of like, Sandra Bernhard was out as bisexual, you know, she was out and, you know, everyone mm -hmm. knew she was bisexual and sort of like her personality got written into the character because she and Roseanne got along so well at that point. But what I've never heard, this is a little bit off topic, what I've never heard Sandra Bernhard talk about is what is her relationship with Roseanne now? Because Sandra Bernhard is far to the left and I just can't mm -hmm. imagine her remaining friends with uh, Roseanne. That's a good question. I, I I don't know. Or but then she, it, but everything has gotten so toxic though in both our countries now, that yeah. if they're still friends, she can't come out and say it. Well, I heard Rosie O'Donnell say that she's still friends with Roseanne. I heard Rosie O'Donnell say that uh, when Roseanne posted that thing that got her fired from her most recent yeah. version of the sitcom, Rosie O'Donnell called her up and said, "Take it down." you need to go to a psychiatrist, something's going on with you. And she said, Roseanne just said, oh, you really think so? Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was my no, best Roseanne. Better impression than I could do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I just have never heard anyone ask Sandra Byrne. I mean, they ask her all the time, or, you know, why did you and Madonna stop being friends? But I've never heard anyone say, what do you think about Roseanne being this right wing nut now? Hmm. Yeah, uh, well, I think Rosie just doesn't care at this point. And she, like, she just does her own thing. She's got enough money where she just doesn't care. Sandra Bernard, I don't think has all, well, she doesn't have fuck you money. 
No, and she's she's yeah. very the the podcast interview I heard. She made it very clear that she's like a she has to be a working performer. Okay, she has okay. to she has to take jobs to make ends meet, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, I think that's it because I think if people want to come out and support their right wing friends, yeah, they can't. Yeah, although. Although there's a lot of people who are into that, like, oh, let's, you know, we can't talk to each other. We can't talk to each other anymore. Let's reach out to the other side of the aisle. So I don't know that she would be blackballed for being friends with Roseanne. She just, I don't know, for whatever reason, hasn't addressed it. Uh, who's to say? I mean, there, there is a lot of people in Hollywood, though, that are that far, and I'll call them left-wing nuts, where yeah. they will refuse to work with anyone who doesn't have their political beliefs. Uh, Deborah Messing's one of those. Like if yeah, she, uh, and really, like okay. I mean, you talk things out. You don't just automatically alienate people. But we're getting off topic, which is better topic than actually discussing this show. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay. Uh, they the two. Oh, we're back at the record store, and Margaret says has another another joke doesn't want uh, any tension she had enough of that when she was sleeping with credence i guess with credence clearwater revival if you've seen what they look like other than john fogarty i can't imagine why any woman would want to do that but okay it's the musician thing there's plenty of musicians who have yep. gotten their share of women i mean mick jagger's not exactly um cover boy material yeah but he's got the moves like jagger yeah exactly I'm working on liver like Richards. Okay, what? I'm sorry, I missed that. L liver like Richards. Oh yeah, Keith Richards, who I'm yeah, is amazing that he's still alive. But thirty years they've been making jokes about how he's still alive. Who who knows? He's he, well, good on him, I suppose. They'll outlive them all. Uh, let's see what else we got out here. Uh, so he says he's going to stay. Corey says he's going to stay because he's got seniority. She says she's going to stay because she, basically she's got boobs and she doesn't wear a bra, although she seemed to be. What? Okay, so she's implying that she's going to, her job is safe because guys want to come in there and ogle, ogle the hot girl, although she did everything she could not to make herself attractive. Right. I remember the 80s and I remember people who dressed like like punks they were not considered hot no it was a counterculture thing that they were trying to do and they were only attracted to other people into, into that style of music right and they weren't going to come back for her insults so okay again not and their plus, fault. Go, sorry god plus the way her character was portrayed you would think she'd be a like a feminist type and for her to say that is just kind of that's all true yeah out of, out of character well, again, written by people who just didn't know, didn't have any any friends who, who dressed like that or thought like that, or even listened to that style of music. This right. is just cliche after cliche after cliche. Uh, the dad comes in and then she goes to essentially flirt with him at first. And that devolves really quickly when he makes fun of her hair and she makes fun of him being impotent or something. I, what was the joke? How does how does that stay up looking at her hair? Uh, she says the same thing, looking at his crotch, and then he, she makes fun of his, the way he's dressed. 
well, he wasn't dressed that badly. You know, he, he wasn't coming off completely like Don Johnson. That was that style at the time, a hell of a lot better than a lot of the things we'd see in the 70s. Yeah. So he wasn't fluorescent and striped. Right. Maybe in other episodes they did that, but okay. Uh, he offers the son a job. Uh, we don't really know what he does. He, he's, he's marketing or something makes products i couldn't figure out what it was and uh he doesn't he doesn't really want to take it at that point in time we learn nothing about any of these people of any substance i know it's a sitcom and we only have 22 minutes but i don't like any of these characters not one of them none of them none of them stands out enough to Mm -hmm. to, to like or really like strongly dislike even oh yeah so he uh, Corey makes a joke about her hair again and she's she says i'm punk deal with it that's not what anyone would, would say like, what am i watching what is this yeah yeah like, like, did they sort of like watch, uh, I'm going to go back to, whole, to all this, did they watch a gay pride parade and were inspired? We're here, we're queer, get used to it. I'm punk, deal with it. Nobody talks like this. Right, right. Uh, Corey says one thing that was somewhat accurate. Then he says, well, you're not punk, you're retro. I was at a Sex Pistols concert when you were listening to the Bay City Rollers in your Barbie jammies. Then she's well, then she goes to a side. Well, I used to like the Bay City Rollers. Ha ha ha. More canned laugh. I mean, I, I can't believe I don't know if this was shot in front of a studio audience. There's no way these people were laughing. Yeah, it it, it sounds like canned laughter. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, back at the house, Roger, Corey, and Katie are watching Dynasty. That took me back, actually. And they're doing shots every time somebody somebody gets slapped. Uh Roger is such a caricature. Uh he what did what did he say? It gets he gets drunk. At, well, they're all drinking because they're doing a lot of shots, and says how much he, he screams out, "I love Reagan!" Thank you, Ronnie. <sighs> Is that what they thought people did in the eighties? Who were, were thinking like this? They didn't. They didn't talk like that. Right. Nobody did. Uh, Katie shares that uh, Sophia came by and kissed her and Roger is getting, he, he, they might as well have just had him have, uh, stand up with an erection at this point. Because he's just getting massively turned on by that. And I think that's how a lot of us thought that. I'll, I'll admit I wasn't involved. I probably thought would have had the same reaction at the same time. Yeah. I'm, I think that's the difference when you're 22 and 50. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Corey's feeling like a loser, so at least they're getting some kind of accuracy here, and that's sort of why he decides he's going to take the soul-crushing job. Uh, they go... Let's see. Uh, and he go... Yeah, there's just a montage of him at the job as, doing, as a marketing exec, and he does nothing. He can't figure out anything. So he stinks at this job. You know, I worked for my dad once. All he did was yell at me. What kind of company was it? Uh, he owned an auto body shop. 
Okay. So I helped uh, prep cars and I was terrible at it. I got so bad. Sometimes I would hide in the cars. Probably <laughs> yelled at me. How old were you at the time? Uh, sort of 15 to so 15 to 19. Okay. Yeah. Man, was I terrible at that. I was, he was right to yell at me. Later on, I would have a bunch of teens working for me and I yelled at them using the same lines. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny what you become. Uh, back at the bar, a random guy is calling from a portable brick phone. Okay. Do you know where I'm calling from? I'm calling from the from a phone. I think people used to do that. Uh, they, they probably did do that. I think a lot of people did that in the plane when, when they were first able to do that. Yeah, I remember car phones. I don't remember anyone, and maybe it's because I'm from the Midwest, I don't remember anyone actually having a freestanding cell phone like that. And I remember the same gag in Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, where I forget if it was Mira Sorvino or um, Lisa Kudrow. There was like, oh, I have a phone. You know, and they hold up, like you said, the huge brick. Yeah. I thought that was more of a 90s thing, the, the early version of the cell phone. But yeah, I, I, I thought so too. I thought maybe this was a little bit later, but I'm, again, I couldn't be bothered to check actually when brick phones first came out. It just, I, I wasn't that interested. Uh, it, it did make me think, though, I mean, like this show being shot in 2002, uh, if they were to hold up the phones that we used to have in 2002, like those old yeah. ideas, I mean, like try and explain that to a kid. Right. I mean, that yeah. looks just as antiquated. Yeah. Uh, Corey tells uh, Katie and Roger that he hates his job. Uh, but Roger, again, because he's all, you know, he's just all about the money and women. He says the dollar... Mm -hmm that sweet money is going to help you get chicks. Uh, Sophia comes in, Roger goes up and says, I go both way too, both ways too. And uh, I can understand you. He's trying to hit on her. Like, that's your buddy's ex-girlfriend. What are you doing? Again, yeah, and, and, and not, yeah, not to go into uh, too much, I guess, um, politically correct speak, but I mean, I was recently watching um, a YouTube video about the trope of the sexless Asian man, how Asian men have always been portrayed as not sexy. And so here you have mm -hmm. another instance of he's not, you know, he's not attracted to the, at least in this episode, he's not mm -hmm. attracted to the opposite sex. So in trying not to make him a stereotype, they still had stereotypical aspects of you know, Asian, Asian tropes in, I, in Hollywood. I think what they were trying to do is show that they're progressive. See, he's a he's a womanizer. He's, you know, yeah. maybe if we watch other episodes, he would have a girlfriend. I don't know, because I'm not going to watch another episode of this. No, no. But I honestly think that they thought that they were being so 2002 with how we're per portraying an Asian person. I honestly think that's what they thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was better than, definitely better, a step up from Long Duck Gong, for yeah. sure. But he's not, he, Roger is not a developed character. He's just sort of like the sidekick. None of them are. Yeah. None of them are, and I, uh, anyway, so he, so he asks for his job back. Uh, so we know that this is San Diego because a guy wearing a similar type hoodie that I'm wearing right now, well, Saints represent, uh, and it said San Diego. So that's how we know we're in San Diego, because that's really the, only thing we'd, we'd learn. I never, I didn't get this joke. Uh, so the kid asks, uh, 
do you have Miles Davis? So the crowd just waits because Margaret's going to have a zinger. You're not ready. So you're not so because he's wearing a hoodie, he's 19 or 20, he can't sort of uh, learn about an experimental jazz legend. Right. Uh, I guess I guess the idea is you're not hip enough. Yeah, I, I, I know what they're going for, but wouldn't, that's the thing I never, some, I never understood about some music snobs, which mm -hmm. I sometimes become one. Uh, yeah. I, and I've, been, I've done that. But if you're, if you're that way, then why don't you want to actually share your love of this, of that? So like, this is what you should be listening to. If you're someone who's, who wants to buy an album of one of the all-time greats, and you and you want to discourage that? Why? Well, I think it's also her character is supposed to be sort of like, you know, a holdover from the '60s anti-establishment. Like, she's obviously a businesswoman, but she's doing something that's like not in the best interest of her business. You know, sending customers away. But it's like mm -hmm. she so has her head in the '60s of anti-establishment that, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to. You know. I'm not, I'm not going to cater to customers to make money. I'm I'm too cool for that. Mm. So I think that's that's supposed to be the character's conceit, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, he he's rehired, goes to take out the trash, and there's a Tuesday. She's got her hair down, and uh, they have a more forced dialogue. He implies, or Bruno doesn't imply. He says, uh, "Your hair's down because pretty much I shamed you into it." No, I didn't. And then they go out for coffee. I wrote worst attempt at sexual tension. I'm assuming that if this show progressed, or maybe it did, maybe those two became a couple. I don't care. Exactly. I I, I do not care if, if if they if they did. And again, they because these two would never be a couple. I mean, if you're meeting somebody like that, why are your first dialogue is going to be about music? Now you've got 22 minutes. I get that you're not going to do that, but you're trying to like do a whole story arc in three scenes and it's just not working um, yeah, they did everything except play opposites to track by paula abdul with them walking, <laughs> walking off together <laughs> yeah well mc scat cat is well yeah maybe bring why not why not i mean is that what rita wilson was doing mc scat cat <laughs> i gotta look it up i've uh, I might have thought it was really good just because I, I just like these two people. It just seem like just phenomenal people, not fake people. Margaret's looking at back and it looks like prison bars and just says, why yeah. do they get to leave? And that's what I was thinking. Well, I'm about <laughs> to leave in 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so did every other viewer. Uh, then the outro had the brother and singer singing the Carpenters and just the dad offers them 50 bucks to stop. I think that's how much it would take for me to watch another episode. <laughs> this was terrible. I, yeah, I thought I thought the whole ending with uh, Corey and what's the character's name? Is it Kyler or the actress's name is Kyler? It, anyway, the, that whole storyline I thought was ripped from Breakfast Club. How the Ali Ali Sheedy mm -hmm. character was this uh, goth chick. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, you know, Molly Ringwald gives her a makeover and she looks quote unquote normal. Then she and the jock hook up. That was my least favorite part because that wouldn't happen. 
Right, right. None of that stuff would ever happen. I actually read something about that. Uh, they had a casting was sort of it, like during the during the film, uh, Anthony Michael Hall shot up like six inches. Oh, wow. So, which kind of made, I, I guess they must have shot the, that dance scene like at the end, because I was like, man, the geek's taller than the rebel. <laughs> yeah. And it, probably when, the, when shooting started, that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, he showed up a couple times in the Goldbergs, and uh, oh, did he really? Yeah, uh, teaching uh, the teaching the the main kid how to be cool, and he and he showed up showed a picture of him as Farmer Ted from Sixteen Candles. <laughs> That's what I used to look like. I mean, I mean, that that show. I mean, they do everything with a nudge and a wink. That's why it's they always start off with it was not it was September twelfth, nineteen eighty something, because they're going all over the place in terms of the eighties. They're selling you, look. We're being nostalgic, but don't don't look for accuracy. <laughs> you know they they. Right. <laughs> this one just did. Like written by people who, I, I don't know what they were doing in the eighties, but it wasn't anything like this. Uh, this I, this might be one of the biggest misses we've ever talked about. I, I honestly think yeah. so. From people who yeah, knew better. Yeah, there, there's definitely even now nostalgia for the eighties, like with strange, Stranger Things. I mean. Mm-hmm. The 80s was a very, very distinct decade, but I think I think it's hard to get right. And then second of all, you know, like we were saying, instead of, instead of actually coming up with developed characters, they just used the 80s as a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Even like you said, the scene transitions with somebody flipping through 80s, 80s vinyl records and then the whole scene with yeah. them watching Dynasty. That's it. I mean, from people who just, who knew, again, they knew better. I mean, when I say... Well, I, what I always ask you, whose fault is this? So, who do you think? Yeah, I have to. I have to say, it was the. From what I read, it was this was supposed to be a spinoff of that '70s show. So the people who started that '70s show and you know obviously create or helped bring Roseanne to the air, it was their fault. I mean, they had plenty of resources at, at their disposal. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no need for the show to, there was no reason why the show should have turned out this bad. I don't blame any of the actors. Uh, they had nothing to work with. I would have liked to have seen, I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to see more of what uh, the guy who played uh, Roger, uh, Eddie Shin, I think is his name. Yeah. I wish he would have got uh, more shots because he tried. Yeah. He tried. Yeah. But I, that was the character I hated the most. And it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. Uh, I hated uh, uh, the, the punk girl. I hated her. Tuesday, I hated her. These yeah. are not real people. Even Corey, the most relatable person, is not likable. Right. It, there, there's nothing There's nothing to, to hang your hat on in this entire episode. Uh, and the sister was just an airhead. I wonder if she was supposed to be like Mallory from Family Ties, where it's just empty-headed they, they gave her nothing i mean she's yeah. making candles like what what's what's her motivation nothing right. i mean we learned she dropped out of college but to make candles like so what would you be she be in her early 20s she's accomplishing nothing the wikipedia says like a, a valley girl type i didn't see that no 
Yeah, maybe maybe that's why they chose San Diego because Valley Girls were so big in the eighties. But Valley wasn't the Valley referring to Los Angeles, the the San Fernando Valley. I think so. Yeah, but I think that was even more of the early eighties, though. Right, because that movie with Nicolas Cage yeah. came out in '82. I want to say. Yeah. Uh... Well, this was '84, so I guess it's only yeah. two years now. Yeah. Either way, this this was a mess by people who knew better or should have known better should have known better they I, I i don't know why they did what they did uh well i do i mean it was the next progression and freaks and geeks was critically loved but again they they did it right you're just looking at you it was all about the people it wasn't who just happened to be in certain situations and then you think okay yeah i remember a bit of that it's like uh we, we referenced stranger things I think the, I didn't play D&D, but I know a lot of people did, but. I didn't. <laughs> you did or did I, not? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I, didn't, I, but, I didn't either, but I knew, I knew a lot who did. So they're starting that. I think that wasn't that like one of the first scenes, like the 12 year olds are just playing that. So, but they're, but it's not about, hey, look, it's Dungeons and Dragons, like a product placement. Yeah. That's what this was. Everything was product placement. Only there was yeah. no product. It was cliche placement. Right. Ah. Right. Uh, all right, let's put, uh, I guess we're just gonna put an end to this. We're gonna put this out of its misery, which is pretty much what should have been done. Thankfully, this did not ruin careers. Uh, it could no, have. It didn't, it didn't really, I mean, I don't know if you could say this launched Glenn Howerton's career, but it. No. I guess it, gave, it got his foot in the door, maybe. It could. From what I can tell, I think that was one of his first big roles. It was the first major role for a lot of it, for all of them, except for, I think, Brittany Daniel. Uh, yeah. And Margaret Smith, other than being a stand-up, I don't think she had done, like, like a television, right. like a sitcom before. Yeah, she would, she would have been a, the breakout character, I think, if this lasted. I, I think mm -hmm. it, it would have been. Uh, possibly the father, because there's something about him that you could do something with but as for the as for the, the kids uh the, the main cast of 20 somethings nothing there's nothing to work with not a yeah. thing all right uh so i get to pick the next one i'm gonna so the one i'm going to pick if i can find it is the harlem globetrotters oh wow <laughs> uh, go to gilligan's island i'm sure i can find it wow not, i'll come up with something equally as terrible Oh my God, wow. <laughs> and with that, the show is over. If you haven't watched some of my other stuff, hey, please do. I hope you like me enough to do that. Sometimes I get hate mail. That's okay. Uh, we'll also do, uh, how the hell did this go note to number one? Chris, you gotta be a guest on that sometime. I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, this week, we're gonna be looking, actually we picked a, well, Andrea picked a really good song. We're gonna be recording uh, Mac the Knife. Okay. Because uh, she's Classic. really, yeah, she's really interested how a song pretty much about a gangster killing people is so swingy and poppy and beloved. So we're going to look at that. Uh, we do, we shoot that every week. Uh, the Classic Sports Review is coming back. I'm really excited about that. Uh, once a week, Evan Nolan and I, we do a little look at Hall of Fame related news and all that, plus so much more and just usually me rambling and tripping over my words. Sounds like fun. Because anyone can do a show these days. Why not me? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, and stay safe.